hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, it is that time of year, Craig, Christmas time. My, yeah. Like my third favorite holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I like the season, though. It's a really nice season. It just comes on the heels of my two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a nice excuse to get together with family and do things and watch Christmas horror movies, of which there seem to be a ton. I know. We used to complain. We used to be like, well, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel now. And uh, <laughs> now we, my God, we could do them year round. Like they're coming out like crazy. I attribute it to streaming. I think that since we have all of these streaming services, we are being exposed. First of all, I think that it allows for a lot more opportunity for Mm -hmm. up and coming filmmakers. It's so accessible. Whereas, and I'm nostalgic for these days too, but whereas we used to have to go to the video store and, you know, peruse through things and probably a lot of things would slip through the cracks. Um, oh, sure. Now, you know, it's all right at your fingertips. Um, gosh, I'm watching stuff every day. Well, and I think streaming probably, you know, allows producers to test the market. You know, I would imagine that at one point there was an idea that maybe there isn't a huge call for Christmas horror films. And certainly, you know, when every movie more or less had to hit the movie theater first and sort of justify its existence, you know, for a very general and large audience, you know, there's that Silent Night, Deadly Night, which caused a lot of controversy back when it came out. And, you know, it it was almost more of a novelty. And maybe now with the streaming services, you know, Netflix has done its numbers and been like, hey, a lot of people watch these Christmas horror movies, make, you know, 20 more. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah, and also, maybe I'm mistaken, but 10 years ago, I feel like you really had to kind of go out of your way to find foreign films, except yes. for except for some that made big splashes at uh, festivals or whatever. You know, there were always a few every year that would make a big splash at some festival and, and would get an American release. But other than that, if you wanted to see foreign films, you really kind of had to seek them out. Something like this, like what we're watching today, um, I doubt very much that I would have come across if it weren't for the magic of streaming. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. And that's one of the it's one of the joys of streaming, right? Yeah. The movie that we're doing today might be our first Belgian film um, that we've ever done. It's called The Advent Calendar, and it's from 2021. It, it does seem like just the last two years there's been a particular explosion. I know you sent me a list of ones, and most of the ones on, I would say about half of that list were from 2021 or 2022. Uh-huh. Interestingly enough, the one that you picked is the one I would have picked because the premise seemed so interesting. Essentially, this quadriplegic woman whose friend uh, Sophie gives her a advent calendar on her birthday. And it's three days into December, I suppose. So she kind of opens the first three. And uh, it turns out this 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 calendar is, is sinister. Uh-huh. Uh, the gifts that it gives are more than meets the eye. <laughs> right. I mean, this is a really classic trope in film and literature that, that you know, um, some sort of supernatural force offers you some great reward, so you, like your heart's greatest desire. But mm. there's a price to pay. I, I mean, yeah. you, you see that in all of those, the devil and, you know, the devil and Tom Walker, the devil and <laughs> Daniel Webster. Um, but yeah. then you also see it like in the monkey's paw, it's not like it's unique in that regard, but I've never seen it done with an advent calendar. And when we were 
you know, looking at uh, Christmas movies to do this year, I-, I love a good killer Santa movie. I do. And we may do one or two uh, this year. But I just thought, you know what? I've never seen a horror movie focused around advent or an advent calendar <laughs> a killer advent calendar yeah I that's know. pretty new <laughs> <laughs> and i just thought you know that's that's clever why not yeah um, it's a, a corner of the market that hasn't been touched yet and i thought you know there's probably a lot of possibilities with this and uh it is uh advent now uh, the advent season started this last weekend advent is the um beginning of the liturgical year uh, in most uh, Christian denominations, including my own. And so it seemed appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our countdown, right, at the beginning. Uh, it, leave it to the Belgians to make a movie about advent calendars, since they always make such great chocolate that ends up in these things. Belgians and Germans, you know, um, maybe it just occurred to me that some people don't know what an advent calendar is. I know when I was a kid, it was one of my favorite things of the Christmas season, and I still have, you know, I still go out and get an advent calendar. Actually, interestingly enough, all the advent calendars I ever had were German, uh, and they were chocolate. And so you just get this, I don't know, what do you call it? Just like a thing, like yeah, a, a, bigger a than the size of a piece of paper, a little thick, thicker, and it all it has doors on it. And each door is numbered from 1 to 25. So you're supposed to count the days from the beginning of the holiday season, the December 1st, all the way up to Christmas Day, the 25th. And usually with those advent calendars, you know, you, you open up a door and there'll be a piece of chocolate and you can eat. And so just every day you get a little treat with a different shape or something. And then on the 25th, maybe it's like double size. It's right. pretty simple. But you can also like, um, you can get ones that have little toys in them or, right. you know, Trinkets. Lego makes them. Actually, my mom is apparently giving me a beer advent calendar this year. So I get a can of beer every day and that's awesome. That's funny. <laughs> Our, uh... Our friend Heather last year gave me a Halloween advent calendar, which, you know, oxymoron, (laughs) but um, every day that I would open it, it would be a little trinket of some little monster or like a little cute uh, Michael Myers or a little cute Jason Voorhees. Uh (laughs) It was fun. That is awesome. (laughs) It was really cool. I'll have to send you pictures. I took pictures of them. Oh, man, I love that. (laughs) We should just do an advent calendar for every month, right? (laughs) Why not? So this is a Belgian film. I think it takes place in Belgium uh, or France. Um, They are speaking French. This girl's friend, uh, Sophie, uh, gives her this calendar from Germany, and it is not one of these little chocolate advent calendars that's just kind of light and made of paper. It is a large, beautifully detailed uh, box mm-hmm. that opens up in the front and everything. I was getting, you know, for the story, like you said, I was getting monkey's paw vibes, you know, from this box. I was getting kind of like like Hellraiser sort of like puzzle box type vibes, you know? Yeah, I read something that compared it to Jumanji. I thought that was kind of a good comparison. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about this movie. I I felt it got a little repetitive and a little boring at times. I didn't find it boring, but I what I did... I took so many notes on this movie. I have like three pages of notes, whereas I usually have <laughs> one. So I, don't let me get too bogged down in the plot, but it's really plot heavy because, yes. because you've got... 24 days of opening this calendar. So basically 24 things have to happen. Like- well, <laughs> I do remember being on like day uh, eight or nine and I, and it hit me. I'm like, 
oh my god we've got like (laughs) (laughs) yes i know at least like 12 more of these to go and i'm just like that was the point at which i started to feel a little anxious and then one of them she opens it sort of skips her like three or four days and i, I was, was like, gonna oh, okay, say maybe right I let that happen s- again <laughs> there are a couple they did they did a couple of clever things to skip some days first of all they had her not get it until her birthday so she could open the first three at the same time and i have found that always to be true i have never like started an advent calendar on day one like you always start right late <laughs> so you get to open the first several which is exactly what she does so we get you know kind of to skip those days and you're right at some point she opens one the candies will always kind of give a little bit of a suggestion of what it's going to be a little hint um and uh, she opens a clock one and she eats it and then immediately she looks at her phone and she's missed like 20 calls and there's like 15 messages and she's i apparently lost like four days and i was like oh thank god (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what i felt But I did, whereas it was kind of repetitive, I did find it clever and it did a good job of kind of building dread because things got more and more dire as it went on. It starts out relatively innocent and she kind of is getting these little rewards, good things. Um, yeah. Like, for example, on the first day, one of the things that she, it's her birthday, and uh, she, we had already seen that she had called her dad and she's got this bitch of a stepmom. Mm. The Eva is the girl, and by the way, she's paraplegic, not quadriplegic. Oh, sorry. Well, God, I guess I might as well say she used to be a dancer. I think a professional dancer, um, mm. which makes you know the fact that she has been in an accident and is paraplegic even more tragic because it takes away from her the thing that she loves. But anyway, she calls the stepmom and says, it's my birthday. I I wanted to talk to my dad. And she's like, why? He doesn't even know who you are. And and she, apparently the dad has Alzheimer's and um, the stepmom won't even let her talk to him. But she gets this little candy and she tells Sophie, oh, these were my dad's favorite. And Sophie says, well, you should eat it and uh, maybe it'll make you feel close to your dad. So she does eat it. And then later that night she gets a phone call and it's her dad. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. And maybe it's a coincidence or it's probably the advent calendar. But then she tells Sophie about it the next day and she says, he called me on a disconnected phone. Like, yeah, the phone isn't even in service. It's like a landline phone. Yeah, that right. They're not so, using anymore. Right. So obviously something is something strange is going on. Right. And there's a like when it's first introduced, like you said, it's super ornate. It's 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 frankly very beautiful. Uh, the craftsmanship of it is beautiful. It, it's a little bit dark. It's kind of got some kind of dark, maybe pagan-like imagery. Um, mm. And on the back, there's a German inscription that says. Or dump it and I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very sinister. This advent calendar, right from the bat, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and um, when she opens it up, the first few candy wrappers have like rules on the inside. And gosh, what are they? I wrote them all down. It says uh, the first one says the calendar contains candy. If you eat one, eat them all, or I'll kill you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Rule two: respect all rules until you open the last door, or I'll kill you. And number three, dump it or I'll kill you. And all of this is written in German, and she doesn't speak German, but her right. friend does. And it's kind of cool, actually, that she has to have her friend translate it. And she says to her friend, sounds grim. And her friend says, well, Germans are grim. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because it's true. No, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and this, uh, those of you who 
don't know. This is not typical of an advent calendar. An advent calendar is, no. <laughs> you know, a religious kind of celebratory type thing. Um, it's kind of like a New Year's Eve countdown, frankly, um, uh-huh. but it's celebratory. There's none of, none of this weird stuff. The inscription, I think, has a signature. It's like ich, like ICH. Um, mm-hmm. And the first night, when midnight strikes, like an alarm goes off in the box, but it, it, it's talking. It sounds like a recording, like an old recording. And it says, it's midnight, time to open the box or something like that. And this creepy guy, kind of like like a looks paper like, doll type thing. Looks like a priest it or something, It does look like a it? priest. That's what I was thinking. It pops up at midnight every night. And on the back, it's it's labeled ICH. So apparently this is the thing mm-hmm. and and when she eats the candies the first time we get some kind of weird surreal glimpses in like tones of fuchsia or purple and it, it's really surreal and you can't really tell what you're looking at but it at least kind of has the figure of a man mm-hmm. wearing maybe some kind of weird mask or or something it's as it turns out it is the demon or spirit or whatever it is that's attached to this box, but uh, they do. A, I thought the film did a good job of teasing you with it before giving you a, 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 a true reveal where you get to see it in all its glory later on. Now that you mention it and you talk about the demon attached to the box, now I'm also thinking of the Dybbuk box. Yeah, yeah. I can't similar. remember what the name of that movie was, but it even was similarly kind of opened up, right? It opens up like uh, two doors in the front, open up to reveal, you know, the goodies and stuff inside. And I guess the notion is that there is a demon attached to this box here. Yeah, it's the one kind of, you know, fulfilling the wishes or something, sort of a genie, a genie in a box kind of thing, I suppose. But it's all very vague. Like, we're never going to know, even at the end of this movie, we're never going to know the source of this. We're never going to have a backstory. We're we're really, I mean, unless I missed something. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's ever explained. Fun bit of trivia since you brought it up. Uh, that movie, The Dybbuk Box, is based mm-hmm. kind of on a true story. Like the the box itself, the haunted box itself exists. And mm-hmm. uh, when that movie came out, the box that it was based on was in the possession of a man who lives in my hometown. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Random. I think think he still has it. I don't think he lives here anymore, but... He's a true believer as well, yeah. Uh He he said weird things happened to him when he got it, but uh, he he believes in a lot of that stuff, so... It's really an interesting connection. It's a shame the movie wasn't that great. No. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you could do some really great things with that concept, and the movie was like, oh, like super disappointing. But anyway, um, she is unable to go ahead. There's like a little key in there, and every one of these boxes uh, has a little lock she has to open with the same key. And uh, when she tries to open that fourth one, it's jammed, she says. And then, like you said, at midnight, the box kind of wakes up. There's like a little almost like a little recording inside that just repeats over and over and over again. In German, of course, it's midnight, open the door, it's midnight, open the door, and that, like you said, that thing pops up. Uh, And then she's able to open the next thing. So it's entirely feasible that this could be mechanical. Like, if there really is, like, a little clock in there, and uh, until that guy pops up, you know, these each door, you know, won't unlock. It's possible. I, I found that notion charming. I did, you too. You know, it wasn't, like, uh, entirely just, like, supernaturally controlled. 
and it adds to the mystery. Like, who in the world would make something like this? Mm-hmm. And uh, she asks her friend where she got it. You know how she, what she paid for it or whatever. And her friend's like, um, I don't know how much it cost because I stole it. Uh, she literally stole it from this shopkeeper, I suppose. Yeah, a, a German Christmas market or something. Yeah, which are also cute. I do enjoy that part of the season, going yeah. to the Christmas markets. Uh, I, I do too. We just had one, a, like a craft show here uh, last weekend. I didn't go. My mom went. She said it was cute. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, when, when, when she opens the rules, um, she also want the last candy that she opens that night has... Uh, another inscription on the wrapper that I, I feel like is important. It says, to cure hurt, destroy what hurt you. And that comes into play later mm-hmm. on. And that's a candy she doesn't eat right away, right? Yeah, it's a little Jesus. It's white, unlike uh-huh. the others. The others are all chocolate. And But that that one that she doesn't eat, um, the note in the wrapper says, and, and Sophie reads this out loud, uh, Jesus said to the cripple, arise and walk. And then once Sophie realizes what she said, she she kind of is like, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, it's a little on the nose. But yeah, but she doesn't eat that one. She saves it for a while. Yeah, that's her first indication that, I mean, that's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it still, it still could be coincidence. It could you know, be. Up until now. Um, I mean, obviously we're watching this movie week know something it's gonna be scary yeah. <laughs> but in the realm of reality it could be one other thing the movie does is it kind of shows her life as a paraplegic and uh it seems like at every turn she's really being uh, discriminated against or looked down upon yeah one of the opening scenes is she's swimming and uh, a guy's really is coming on to her and calling her cute and she asks him to fetch his her chair for her and uh, he's a little taken aback and surprised, and he does so, but then all of a sudden it doesn't seem like he's so interested in her anymore. See, I didn't get that. I got, like, I think that he was t- taken aback a little bit, but it's not like he recoiled in horror when he realized no, that she was but, a paraplegic. It it seemed more to me that she was projecting that. And, and You think so? Yeah, I, I can... I can't relate because I've never been through anything like that. I can only speculate, but I can speculate that if something like that happened to me, I would be angry and bitter and a little bit self-pitying. Right. And I think that she is as well. Because you're right, the the movie does make it out that pe- like her boss you know, makes comments about how he knew she couldn't take care of business in her condition. And Oh, yeah. He's really mean. Like, uh, she... She uh, she's like selling insurance or something, and he's called her into his office and said, you know, you're you're falling behind or whatever like that, and I might have to cut your salary. And uh, she says, you you get a grant, you know, which we presume is like some kind of extra help in order to be able to hire her. And he says, yeah, well, that extra bathroom cost a fortune. <laughs> so I, I took that to mean that he had to install like special accommodations sure. in the bathroom for her. And so it's like he throws that in her face, you know, like what an asshole this guy. And later he actually hires a woman who is clearly he's training to replace her. Right, well, ha- making her train her own replacement. Yeah, you know, and I've heard about that, but yeah, God, that's well, douchey. And, and, and that woman says something to her like, you're so brave. I just couldn't do oh. it. And I know people say things like that and they have good intentions, but 
come on. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, people are very kind of condescending to her, and she does seem to be a little bit self-pitying. And all the while I'm thinking, you again, in her shoes I would probably feel the same way. But she is perfectly capable you know, yeah. like she's she's fine. She gets around fine. She's certainly capable of selling insurance. You know, like yeah, <laughs> the fact <laughs> that she's in a that. wheelchair has nothing to do with her ability to sell insurance. Yeah, but yes, I mean the movie kind of makes it goes out of its way to show how miserable she is being yeah. paraplegic, and it, and it kind of has to do that. Because if she weren't, then she wouldn't have the motivation necessary to do what she does for the rest of the movie. Exactly. You're right. It is very important that we feel that she is miserable. And the, the movie is very plot heavy, as you said. And so it just kind of has to do that through plot. It's got to do it through situations and things that she encounters. And you're right. I feel like I felt like it just a little bit on the edge of going out of its way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I I felt like there was maybe one or two too many of those. Like, I got it. I mean, really? Does she encounter this like every single day? I don't know. Maybe people do. And maybe that's just my ignorance. Her friend invites her out on a date. Uh, she's got a guy who's invited her to dinner somewhere and said she he would pay. And so she's like, why don't you come along with me? Now, is, this is something women do, right? Like, is it like the first time you meet a guy, you're not quite sure, so you might bring a friend along kind of thing? I got the sense that might have been it. Or also that her friend just wasn't serious about this dude, so she just thought they could both kind of take advantage of him for a, a fun dinner out. Yeah, I think that was the case. But... Uh... I think, you know, often women do that. And it seems like um, the two of them, the two women, were only planning on meeting a guy, but he brought along a friend, too. And I, I would mm -hmm. think that that would kind of be more common, like, if, yeah. if, if a, a man, a stranger, I mean, it would be different if it was somebody that you already knew, but if a stranger asked you out, it might be wise to say, that sounds fun, I'll bring a friend. Do you have a friend you could bring? You know, safety in numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy, the original guy that they're meeting, his name is Boris, and he's a douchebag yeah. uh, in a cheap suit. And um, he just, I don't even remember the things he says. He just makes terrible, insulting, sexist, ableist jokes yeah um, but the guy that he brought thomas seems nice and it seems like eva ha is a little bit interested in thomas and the two men go up to the bar and sophie says what do you think and he was like what do you mean about thomas well, i don't know he's he seems nice and sophie's like just a second and she goes to the bar and she's talking to them and it seems like sophie and thomas are both kind of looking eva's way uh-huh and then Sophie comes back and she's like, he wants to have a drink. And Eva's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really, I, I'm really tired. And Sophie says, not with you, with me. Like, <laughs> that so surprised me because Sophie uh -huh, seems like, she seems like a nice friend. And it seemed like she was trying to set Eva up uh -huh. with a nice guy. But nope, she was taking the nice guy for herself and dumping Eva off on Boris. I've always felt Sophie had a little bit of an edge to her. You know, I did kind of question her. Uh, well, obviously in this scene as well, right? It was kind of kind of interesting. So she does. She drops. She dumps her off on douchebag Boris, who they're in a car. Like, I mean, he's like snorts some coke before he goes into the car. I'm like, oh god, please tell me like they're not going somewhere else. And uh, clearly, she's just driving. He's just supposed to be driving her home. 
But she's falling kind of asleep in the car and nodding off, and she wakes up a little bit to find that he's taking advantage of her. Yeah, he's it's gross. on her. Yeah, it's really disgusting, and it's filmed very up close. And actually, a lot of the movie seems to be filmed sort of like a, with a close up with a wide angle lens sort of feel to it. Very claustrophobic, very kind of in your face and moving around. And, you know, she can't feel. He's like, oh, well, I thought you wanted it. And she's like, I have no feeling down there. She had fallen asleep. Yeah, she had fallen asleep. And yeah. I guess he had pulled over and was messing and- with her. I, I don't want to get too graphic, but, I mean, he is mole- he is phys- he's sexually molesting her when, yeah. when she wakes up. And she, push- she pushes him off. Um, and then... He he tries to force her to perform oral sex. It's and it, it's it's really uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it's, it's not terribly terribly graphic, but um, it's very tense because it's I'm violent. Very, it's violent, and I'm really worried about this woman because she really doesn't have a lot of ability to protect herself or to flee. Yeah. So when he got out, he eventually gets out of the driver's side and comes around. I was afraid he was going to pull her out and rape her, which would have been worse, but it's bad enough that he pulls her out, throws her into the street, tosses her wheelchair out, and just leaves her yeah, in the street. Dumps her by the side of the road. Uh, and then, <clears throat> interesting, this, this was an interesting point of the calendar. She screams out at him, drop dead, and the eek has popped up from the calendar back in her apartment, and the door has sort of swung open by itself and out rolls a little toy car that looks just like Boris's car. And she has a dog there. And the dog comes up and sniffs at the car and then starts nudging it around and biting it. And we see it's like a voodoo car. You know, yeah. this exact same thing is happening to Boris's car down the road all of a sudden. It's getting smashed up and spinning around and then just, I guess, crashes and, you know, into pieces, basically. And she gets a call the next morning that he's dead. Mm-hmm. The rules of the box are a little tenuous, frankly, <laughs> because right? it can do things on its own uh as we just saw like now sure maybe it's acting on her desires um in in some way but it can it can kind of do things on its own and also one of the rules was if you eat one candy you have to eat them all or you'll die well she doesn't eat them all so yeah but you know i guess if you think about it like it doesn't say when she has to eat them <laughs> right but, but she there there are at least two that she doesn't eat at all somebody oh that's eats true them. But Somebody she eats them. That's the, yeah. another one that's coming up. She meets Sophie in the park, and they talk about Boris. But they, she sees this guy, this cute guy. He's handsome, but he's also cute because he's wearing earphones and he's singing out loud, and he's a terrible singer. Um, <laughs> uh, but but that's that's charming. It's that's cute. charming, right? And uh, so she sees him then, and then that night, her prize from the calendar is a little heart and she doesn't eat it right away she goes to the park the next day at a little cafe and that same guy shows up he orders first then the waitress comes to her she orders the same thing that he ordered and the waitress brings hers but sets the tray down to like take another drink to somebody else and eva drops that little heart in this cute guy's wine and as immediately the second he takes a sip of his wine he immediately looks up and locks eyes with her Mm -hmm. and then he comes over and (laughs) sophie had said when they were in the park you should go talk to that guy and she said um 
what am I supposed to say? Hey, are you a nurse? Because if you are, you can wash my private parts. Uh, and when the guy comes over to her, he's like, hey, I'm a nurse. I can wash your private parts. Whoa, I have no idea why I said that. I just could not say it. <laughs> He's under like a spell for like a split second or something. And and she doesn't seem to mind. <laughs> no. Because cause now she's understanding the box is magical, right? Like for sure. Uh, and I, I, I did wonder, though, why did she not eat the chocolate? What gave her the idea to drop it in that wine to, to so flout the rules like that? I don't think I, in that situation, would have thought that was acceptable. I would have been worried. But she seems to know exactly what to do. So I do wonder if at some point, you know, maybe this demon is kind of giving her knowledge or kind of imbuing her with kind of, you know, putting her under a spell from time to time. Well, I don't think that she's put together yet that, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't think at this point she's put together that Boris died because of something that happened with. No, no, that's for sure. So yeah. I, I, so I think that she may think that there. Well, she knows that there's something weird uh, about the box because her dad calling on the disconnected line, um, and she's even talked to people about it. And and she eventually talks this guy William. William yeah, mm -hmm. they become close, like they are dating, and, and she tells him that weird things have happened. She doesn't tell him that she gave him a loved one and then he fell in love with her but she tells them weird things are happening and they speculate that maybe the the candies are laced you know maybe mm -hmm. they're like laced with uh ecstasy or acid or or some hallucinogen oh that's true yeah yeah you're right maybe she hasn't quite put it together. so she knows something she knows something's going on but uh i don't think that she understands the danger yet yes for sure but she she figures it out soon though it doesn't take long this was ironically when I was like, oh, my God, we are on day six. Are we going to have to go through 19 more of these? And it's already, you know, I don't know, a quarter of the way through the movie. And uh, one thing that we didn't mention was that Boris is uh, this sort of this douchebag. He's like bragging about how much money he makes on the stock market. And he has this app that he uses to invest. And he says, hey, I just made like 457 euro. I'll, I can give it to you just as he's blabbering on and talking. And after his death. She gets a message on her phone and that she she has like an account with this investment thing and 457 has been dropped in there. So that's kind of weird, too. Right. Anyway, thankfully, right as I was thinking it. See, I think the boss really works uh, right as I was thinking it. Uh, she calls William. She explains that she thinks something's going on because she's waiting for the next door this midnight. Uh, and when it opens, this is the clock, sh the the chocolate shaped like a clock. So she eats it, uh, and like you said, uh, her phone wakes her up, and it turns out she's eaten three or four more. Uh -huh. uh, and it's already day ten, and she gets a call from her boss, "Where were you?" And he fires her uh, for not showing up at work. And she calls William, and she explains she thinks something's going on. Maybe it is indeed drugs. But then she notices these wrappers that are in front of her of the chocolates she's apparently eaten, didn't remember it over these last day. They piece together to form the image of a logo, which she recognizes from the investment app as like a company she can invest in or a fund or whatever. So she just drops that money into there and it immediately earns like nine cents. So yeah, so this time she, she puts a book on that pop-up thing. So that when it turns midnight, that thing can't pop up. And the box is clearly sort of agitated, I suppose. And it gets the attention of her dog. 
mm-hmm. and your dog comes over. And like you said, it's sort of like, here's where the rules get weird again. It opens up and there's a bone inside and the dog, you know, it's a little candy bone or treat, treat or something. Yeah. So the dog takes the bone and there's skulls on the walls on the inside of that chamber, which I, I was really looking. I found myself, especially after this, really looking at the design of the chamber, you know, the little room or whatever that each of these little treats come out of, because it was quite intricate and quite uh-huh. interesting. And some of them I thought gave little clues. And this one, definitely, that was poisonous. Well, chocolate, I suppose, is poisonous to dogs anyway, right? Uh-huh. I think the next scene we see is the dog's kind of puking. No, I I don't think the dog pukes. It the 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 box lets it out of the house. Really? Yeah, like you see the the outside door swing open and the dog goes out. The box also it didn't just get the it called to the dog like Marvin. Oh, I didn't catch that part. And, uh, <laughs> and the dog ate the treat. And then the front door swung open and the dog went out and she gets up in the morning and she hears the dog whimpering or something and and she notices that it's outside. So she opens it up, but its whole muzzle is drenched in blood. Oh, oh, I didn't catch this. Okay. She she cleans him up. You see, she's got a big uh, basin full of water and it's just all stained red because she's cleaning Mm -hmm. up the dog and she pulls something either out of its teeth or out of its fur and it's a little i don't know a little charm a little charm that she recognizes as her bosses i don't remember if he wore it on his lapel or Mm -hmm. uh, on his tie or around his neck i think on a little chain yeah Yeah. the implication here is that the dog went out and killed the boss right right Right, and she calls the boss, and she just gets an answering service. And this is when she starts putting everything together. I feel like, and she mm-hmm. she kind of puts together, you know, that classic kind of detective board that you see in all these movies. <laughs> I know where people just suddenly like start writing on th- like writing on their table, post it, pulling out a post it. <laughs> like, like they can't remember any of this stuff unless they like spread it all out and label it deliberately. <laughs> but it's helpful for her, I guess. I think it's this at this point because she's kind of like dealing with the dog and, and throwing away the stuff that she used to clean him that she notices pieces of the car uh-huh. in the trash can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, pieces of this car. It looked like Boris's car. And like you said, she lays it all out. Um, but she also lays that uh, one chocolate that she hasn't eaten yet and just labels it with a question mark. And uh, it gets to day 11, and it's another white Jesus chocolate, which says Jesus said to the cripple, arise and walk. So now she has two of them in front of her. And I'm thinking, oh, two chocolates, two legs, hmm. <laughs> and she decides to eat both, uh, and her legs start to twitch, and she convulses. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, like, this calendar is helping her, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? It's it's this monkey's paw sort of thing, but so far, everything it's done for her, I mean, yeah, it's terrible that people are dying, but they were all douchebag assholes who were mean to her. You right. know, none of this was that ironic, like, oh, you know, you're you got a million dollars, but that's because your favorite aunt died and this is your inheritance, you know, kind of situation. Right. So only knowing that this was a horror movie <laughs> did I realize well, we're probably gonna get to that point where it's gonna get more difficult. But but that started to go through my mind right now, because I'm like, oh my God, is she's gonna walk now? So What's going to be next? Like, that's the ultimate gift she can get, right? But it's not. It's kind of a taste of it. Yes. She also, I think, kind of blacks out, 
right? She does. She blacks out, and they uh, she wakes up in the hospital, and William, who is a nurse, is there, and he says, they found you in the street clutching the box, and you, you wouldn't let go of the box. And again, they kind of speculate about what's going on, but she kind of realizes, she has kind of these flashes that she was walking uh, when she's getting like an MRI or something. She has these flashes. And other something else happens in the in the hospital like there's a a woman chanting and i don't know the woman it looks like the woman is kind of menacing her um Mm -hmm. like i have to stop this evil or something but then eva pulls out the next candy and it's a chocolate host a a chocolate communion host Mm -hmm. um and she gives it to the woman and i think the woman does the woman die i'm not sure she goes away i didn't know what happened to her after that i I really wasn't clear on that point yeah I, I, would you think the woman was like uh sort of like uh, mentally tapped into the box and like recognized it as evil and it maybe seemed wanted like it to destroy it or something and it so this like was it. kind of the way of like getting her to shut up and leave right i think so and and then we we constantly get these updates i mean she's making bank on this app like at this point we're up to door 14 and she already has 14,000 euros um but door 14 is another after 8 bar which is her father's favorite candy so she she knows at this point it's got something to do with her dad so she visits her dad Finds out Yo, that his... Well, she eats it, and she was waiting by the phone, you know, for a phone call. That's what she's first expecting, and when she doesn't get that, she decides to visit him outright. And you you have to notice, because it's made very clear, like, when she does open that and pull out that After 8 bar, there is a very ornate skull on the inside of that door. That's when I thought, okay, this is going to start to get sinister. Maybe this visit with her dad isn't going to go so well as the nice, cheery phone call that she got. I thought the movie was very good at telegraphing that, you know, possibility. Well, yeah, but she when she does visit him, she has, I don't know if she ate it, she, but she has one of those candies, one of the after eight things. Because uh, she finds out, the stepmom tells her that she's selling the dad's house. and Oh, you're she's, right. She's going to put the dad in a nursing home. And so uh, Eva goes to her dad, who is um, in the late throes of dementia. He doesn't seem really there at all. But she feeds him this candy. and Oh, and you're right. She feeds him instead. It's like he comes back, like his mind clears momentarily but he says to her and how he knows this i have no idea but he says to her that the box is going to require sacrifices if she wants to walk it's going to require sacrifices she's going to have to kill people she's going to have to kill strangers and eventually family and friends and he's and before he tells her that he she says i miss you and he says, I miss you too, and I miss your mother. I wish there I wish you could help me get back to her. Yeah. Um, and when he's telling her that she's gonna have to kill people, he says, And when it's my turn, don't hesitate. Yeah. And so at this point, she kinda knows what's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sinister. And now we're midway through the movie and it's day fifteen. At this point, I you know, we kinda knew what was going on. I was intrigued. Like I said though, I think it was just <laughs> Knowing that I had 10 more to go, (laughs) you know, that I just kind of want, okay, so it's going to be open a box, get a chocolate, probably going to, you know, 
kill somebody that she doesn't like or open a box, get a chocolate. It's going to have to, you know, I, I was just feeling a certain level of impatience, <laughs> I think, at this time. You're right, because at this point, you know what's going on, too. So, OK, come on, let's get to it. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and she gets she gets another white one and she goes to William to take it in his presence, which was smart. Yeah. Um, and, and her right leg bounces and she kind of spasms and seizures a bit. But, you know, again, she's not walking quite yet. So I'm getting this idea that, you know, enough of these white chocolates is going to fix it, right? Right. Well, and, and she she convulses and falls to the floor, and he gets down to try to help her, but she says, I can feel you. She can feel his hand on her thigh, which right. she couldn't before. So he takes her home and drops her off, but realizes that she left her keys in his car. Meanwhile, she has gone to the pool, so when he gets back to her apartment, she's not there. So he drops the keys, like in a, a potted plant, um, and, and goes to leave. But as he's going to leave, he realizes the door is open, a, a crack. So he goes and he closes it, turns around to leave again. When he's getting to get in his car, he sees that the door is wide open. So he goes in, he finds her detective calendar map, and realizes, because she has kind of made notes about everything that's happened with each one, and one of those was his love spell, and so he realizes that he's under a spell. The door slams closed, the phone rings, he hears his name and then some gibberish on the phone. Ick pops up, looking scarier than usual, and then yeah. pops back down. And this was weird pops back down and then he gets closer to the calendar and hears a scratching and he looks closely at one of the little glass windows and he sees somebody scratching don't dump it from the inside so it's mm -hmm. it's it's backwards but he can read it so he grabs the calendar marvin growls at him but he takes it to a canal and throws it in and it sinks aggressively but then the water kind of starts bubbling and foaming and the sky goes purple and Ick, the demon, emerges from the water looking very much like Pinhead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very Hell Priest vibes going on here. Uh-huh. And William tries to drive away, but Ick breaks the car window, pulls him into the canal and drowns him. Um, and she's in the pool and as it's happening, she kind of sees it. And actually, she comes up from under the water and finds that she's no longer in the pool. She's in the canal. Yeah. <sighs> and it's so it, it approaches weird. her, and then she just wakes up at home. She wakes up at home on the floor, and the next chocolate is, like, shiny and stuff. And her dead phone rings, and it's just lots of ringing. Um, eventually, she she sees that like her mirror has kind of lit up. She has this oval shaped mirror across the room, and she goes over to it. And there's like I think maybe like a little piece where mirror starts to fleck away. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it is in in the corner there. And when she looks through it, she can see William. It's like through the eyes of that creepy pop up doll, you know that uh, that he was looking at when he was looking at the calendar. I thought this was clever. I mean, I thought the suggestion was it was her in there. Yeah. It's kind of some like weird time loop thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, because she, she she's the one who etches don't dump it. Yeah, on her and, mirror. And that's the etching that he sees. It was cool. Yeah, it was definitely a left turn, you know, <laughs> for this movie just into weird kind of like surreal territory with the time loop and stuff and 
this guy coming out and actually physically manifesting. And uh, But then the next, uh, a knife pops out of the calendar with the image of a dog etched on the blade. And I thought, oh, Craig's going to love this. <laughs> no, I didn't. I think I feel like I'm getting more desensitized to it. Like, it's you? just a movie. It's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> it but is. it's terrible. Like, because Sophie, Sophie's been gone for a couple of weeks on holiday or something. And um, she shows back up at this point and she goes in and she sees this long, huge trail of blood that leads to Eva in the sitting on the floor in the bathroom holding the dog that's whimpering. Like, if you're going to kill the dog, just kill it. Like, mm. don't draw it out. Mm-hmm. A- and I also feel like, you know, Sophie isn't particularly concerned that she found her best friend yeah. huddled on the floor, <laughs> right. killing a dog. Okay, She's like, doing? she'll be all right, you know, and, and like her boyfriend, Thomas, is there with her, and they're supposed to be going off for a weekend together, and well, let's just bring her with us. She'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, And they go, and it's on that trip that we find out, we, we get a flashback to the accident that led to her paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turns out, she had just had a really great audition for something important, um, and it had gone well. And Sophie had picked her up and was driving her, and she's like, we need to commemorate this moment. And she pulls out her cell phone to take a selfie while she's driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what caused the accident. And so uh, what it comes down, I mean, Sophie had, you know, stolen one of the candies. Sophie's got a kleptomania problem. Yeah. She had stolen one of the candies. It looked like it had a boner on it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, so, you know, Eva's in one room, Sophie and her boyfriend are in the other room and she's trying to get frisky. He's like, I can't, I not with her in the other room. I like, I physically can't do it. Like, I guess he's boner shy or something. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so she gives him the magic Viagra, uh, <laughs> and then again, here's where the rules are kind of ambiguous because the thing said to end your hurt, kill those who hurt you, or something like that. But she doesn't actually have to; it just takes care of it for her. Yeah, it kills Sophie and the boyfriend. Yeah, and it's pretty gruesome and violent. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> then what happens? <laughs> What's next? Uh, uh, there's the tapestry. There's some tapestry. Oh, that's how that uh, kind of goes down. Oh, right? that's right. That's right. While just before, like when while the other two are in the room getting frisky, she finds a secret compartment in the box. It's not one of the days. It's mm-hmm. like at the very top, and um, she opens it up, and there's a tapestry in there, and it's a uh, a painting, a gruesome painting. Um, of a Christmas scene and there's a Christmas tree and the calendar, the advent calendar is underneath the tree and you just see, I saw a little boy dead, like slaughtered on the floor. Mm. But it's also signed on the back with an address. So she goes and it's this artist. She says, you know, I found this painting that you did. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she said, yeah, it's a painting that you just did last year. And he's like, that can't be because I've been blind for five years. And he takes off his glasses and his eyes are all messed up. Mm -hmm. He runs his hands over the painting and he gets flashbacks of him killing his wife and son. He says, but that can't be because my wife and son are alive and well. And they are. They're right there. Yeah. So now she figures this out. How she figures it out, I don't know, because it seems like quite a leap to me. Mm. Like, apparently, you can do all of these things and, you know, kill all of these people, but 
once you get to the end of the advent calendar, everything will just go back to normal. Yeah. Because, like like everything will be erased. Because the rule is you don't have to, like, like if you interpret that second rule quite literally, it's like you must eat all the candies until the last one. And so she posits that if you don't eat the last one. She doesn't figure that out yet. She just thinks that, because that's at the very, very end. Um, she just thinks, I can go ahead and do this, and I can have the opportunity to walk and dance, but then it won't be any big deal, because after the last oh, one... everything's going to go back to normal. Everything will go back to normal. All the I'll people and all. things that I've killed, and I'll forget it, and it'll be fine, but I at least have this opportunity. So at that point, knowing that everything is, you know, time is just going to rewind and she's not going to have done any of these things. She won't be able to walk, but she has the opportunity to now. So she kind of just goes hog wild. She, Mm -hmm. uh, she kills the woman who replaced her at work. She kills her dad's terrible wife. She gives her dad another one of those candies and he's like, Oh, is it my time? And she says, yeah. Uh, and he says, did you have to sacrifice her too, meaning the wife? And she says, no, that was just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I thought it was cute that the evil stepmother had exactly the same hairstyle as like the evil stepmother in the Disney um, Cinderella, Cinderella cartoon. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, she was a caricature, but oh, she, for was sure. a, she was a fun villain to to hate so the dad turns around because he had told her when it's my time don't hesitate you know he's he's anxious to rejoin his wife so he turns around and she has a gun and she raises it and she lowers it and she raises it and she lowers it and she raises it and she lowers it like 10 times (laughs) um so like she's hesitant but then it just cuts to an exterior shot of the house and you hear the shot and you see the flash um and the next thing you see i think the cute guy from the pool when she had disappeared from the pool and ended up in the canal, he had been curious as to where she had gone. So he had brought her chair and her stuff back to her house and he had left his number. So she's got tons of money. So she rents a nice hotel room. She calls him. He shows up at the door. She's standing there at the door in a robe and he's like, uh, you're not paralyzed anymore. She's like, no, I'm fine now. (laughs) (laughs) And the next thing we see is them in poiscoital bliss. And she's kind of explaining to him what happens, but she's like, once I eat the last candy, everything will go back to normal. Nobody will remember any of this. And he's like, well, you won't even remember me. And she's like, no, and you won't remember that this ever happened because it won't have happened. Uh huh. So she goes up to what right before the stroke of midnight on the last day, She goes up to the roof, and she records a message on her phone. She's leaving a warning just like the artist had left a warning for her. We had kind of seen some of this at the beginning, but it was out of context, so we didn't know what was going on. Now we know what's going on. Um, She dances uh, and records it, and then she, she puts her cell phone in the secret compartment and seals it up. And then... The, it strikes midnight. She opens up the last one. It's like glowing and all like crystals and stuff in there. And she pulls out the candy and it's clear and iridescent and kind of glowing. It's very plain. It doesn't in, seem to indicate anything as some of the others have. And she starts to go to eat it when the cute pool guy comes running up. He's like, wait, wait. The rule said you have to eat every candy until you open the last door. But you've opened the last door, so the rules are null and void now. You don't have to eat it. And he basically says, if you don't eat it, 
everything will stay the same, but you can, can, you can go on with your life. You have this whole new life in front of you. And we can be together, Blah, whatever. <laughs> right. And so it kind of uh, closes up on her, and she's clearly, you know, I think it flashes to all the people that she's killed, at least the ones that she liked. <laughs> right. And she's torn, and and uh, she just, it closes up on her, and she just screams, I guess, in frustration or something. And then it cuts to black. And then it opens up on a new scene. Did it give us a timestamp? No, I didn't I didn't see one, no. Presumably. Now, I wasn't really sure what went on at the end, so I did a little bit of investigating and I found an explanation, but I don't know if it it does it came from a fan, I not the filmmaker. So I don't know if this is accurate or not. The fan speculated that this was a year later and a, a man is knocking on someone's door and he's holding his child. He has her cell phone. And he says, a year ago, this happened to you, and you left this warning. And the door opens, and I don't know if we see her or not, but I think the indication is that ultimately she had eaten the last candy. Yeah. um, And everything had gone back to normal, including her being confined to her wheelchair again. But it also reset the advent calendar or whatever and so now it's happening to somebody else and they're seeking out her help which makes me wonder like what did she then do with the advent calendar when it was done how did it get in the hands of somebody else did it just kind of disappear? I, I don't know i mean if every <laughs> if everything if everything reset maybe she never maybe it never even came into her possession in her timeline i don't know it, to be honestly i liked it i i understand your complaint um it does get a little bit repetitive in that the same thing kind of keeps happening, but it's not always the same thing. Yeah, there's enough variety in there, right, that it, you're not quite sure what it's exactly going to be. Yeah, but the, just, you know, by nature of the advent calendar, there are, you can't change the fact that there are, you know, 25 days in that season. Um, you can mm-hmm. cheat a little bit and have her miss a few days or whatever, but if your whole premise is that you have to take something every day and that each one of those things is going to cause something to happen, well, I mean, that's <laughs> that, that's pretty limiting in terms of plot and pacing. It's really interesting. I still thought it was uh, interesting and and original to an extent and the performances were good and i thought that it was a well-made film oh yeah i thought that the the cinematography was good there were some really interesting stylistic things going on we don't see a lot of the demon but when we do see him he's uh, a very ominous frightening presence there yeah. was some you know her she had some moral decisions and uh, to make which i i thought was uh, interesting plot wise so overall i liked it uh, I think it was well done, and I and I would recommend it. It's not going to be for everybody. It is a foreign film. If there is a dubbed version, I didn't have access to it, uh, so you're going to have to read uh, subtitles. If that's something that you're averse to, then you know don't watch it. But if if you don't mind reading subtitles, which I don't, I think yeah. it's worth the time. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I enjoyed it. I, I really did. Ultimately, it has a little bit of a. You know, it has that quality of like a fable or fairy tale a little bit to it, uh, right? With the idea that this will kind of keep going. And it's like an age-old story of the monkey's paw. So it has that pedigree. And I think it leaves just enough mystery 
<laughs> you know, we never know who this demon is, the origin of the box, anything like that. I doubt there will be a sequel. It's not the kind of movie crying out for a sequel, even though one theoretically could do it. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. But I thought it's not crying out for a sequel, but I felt like it was a genius idea because in theory... They could make one of these every year. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just it gets passed to a new person every year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. And uh, it got me inspired. Like, I kind of want to make, like, I like to make things. I would love to make an advent calendar as awesome as this. Not one that kills people and grants your wishes. Just that looks like it. And it has yeah. some cool mechanical aspects to it. Like, that was really fun. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want a haunted advent calendar, but... That if I could get a facsimile of that one from the movie, I mean, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like somebody painstakingly made this. If you were to actually find something like this that were actually made with quality materials, oh, it would be in- far too expensive for me to afford. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it'd be exactly. cool to have. It'd sure be cool would to be. have to put up on your mantle at the at Christmas time. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Uh, if you have any ideas for any Christmas horror movies that we could do, go ahead and send them our way. You could just look us up, Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. Reach out to us on Facebook or on our website, twoguys.redfortynet.com, and uh, send us a message. I would say Twitter, but, uh, you know, we, we barely check Twitter anyway, and that seems to be going down the tubes right now. <laughs> yeah. So don't bother reaching out to us on Twitter. <laughs> Find one of these other avenues. Or you could have very direct access to us if you become a patron of our podcast. Go to patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. Consider joining uh, and supporting us so that we can continue to uh, put out these things. We really appreciate all of our patrons. And uh, if you do join, you get uh, access to the behind-the-scenes chatter that we do, some extra goodies. Um, but yeah, you know, just go there and check it out. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah!